it is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had the incredible opportunity to hang out with Beth Hart over Zoom video. Beth was born and raised in Los Angeles, has such a legendary career. She talks about uh, learning piano at a very early age, ended up going to high school for cello and voice. She talked about getting signed at a very early age, having a manager at 15, ended up getting signed to Atlantic Records. And we hear a lot about her brand new record, which is a tribute record to Led Zeppelin, the whole thing was produced by Rob Cavallo, and she tells us the entire story. Basically, he had this whole orchestral piece of these songs, and she ended up singing on it just to the orchestra. It's such a fascinating story about uh, the making, really, of this Led Zeppelin record and her backstory. Such an incredible person. Definitely check that out. And like I said, the video's up. Facebook page, YouTube channel, at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be rad if you subscribe to our channel, if you like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it'd be incredible if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Beth Hart. Hi, Beth. Hey, how are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm good. I appreciate you doing this. Thank you so much. Oh, absolutely. No, thank you, man. I love uh, the record that you did, this uh, Zeppelin tribute album. It's amazing. Oh, thank you. God, it was a good time. Make- thank you, Scotty. It was a good time making it. Thank God we got to make it during the pandemic lockdown. Oh, my God. So, oh, so it was recorded mostly during that? Oh, yeah. Everything was. Re- I mean, in terms of the orchestration, that had already been done by Rob Cavallo and the arranger. And Mm -hmm. the project was done for a Broadway show that was going to be for Led Zeppelin, no singing, just an orchestra. And the pro and the project fell through and I didn't know anything about it. I was in the middle of making war in my mind uh, with Rob Cavallo. And one day uh, we had the choir that was singing on a song called let it grow in the main room and I was in the console room with uh, Doug, the engineer and Rob and uh, in break, we had lunch break and Rob said, Hey, um, I know, you know, the song, whole lot of love. I got an orchestral version of it. Would you mind laying down a quick vocal? And I said, sure. So I, I took a pass and, and then I looked over at him to see if he was happy and he was filming. And he said, do me a favor, do it one more time. And I said, okay, I did it one more time. And then, when I was done, he said, cool, let's get back to work. So we finished War in My Mind. And then I went out, did promo run. And then I did only one tour. A six-week run. Mm-hmm. Got home. Lockdown. That was the beginning <sighs> of pandemic. And I get a call. Hey, Rob wants to know if you want to do the whole Zeppelin record. And I said, no way. No way in the world. Um, for a few reasons. One, um, I didn't feel that same kind of rage that I felt when I was young, when I was doing a lot more hard rock mm-hmm. and probably because I'd been on, you know, antipsychotics for 15 years straight. And then I was off them for five years. And then I was on them before that. Wow. So that was dampening, you know, mm-hmm. all of who I was, you know, that's what those kind of drugs do. Mm-hmm. And 
I was in the process of getting off the antipsychotics. But you have to come off so slowly, like over a period of two, three years. When you oh right, I've I, right. I have to do that as well. It's crazy, it's horrible, horrible. And even when I finally got off, I had to go on beta blockers for my heart for three months because my resting heart rate was 150. And even oh, on beta blockers, wow. it was 130. It was insane. But I was I was just you know those drugs are not meant to be. They were created to just for five weeks, you're supposed to be on them while lithium builds up in your system. And I refused mm-hmm. to go on lithium. So anyway, I was in the process of getting off of that. And, uh, and I had my mother who I moved in here to protect her from COVID, which was a really bad idea. And, uh, and then all this stuff, the marching, the inequality of marching oh, sure. and, and people saying there was no such thing as inequality, and just people being assholes, you know, and not supporting what, you know, people fighting for equality and, and just all of it, you know, and I got really scared. Mm-hmm. And usually when I get really scared, I get really angry. So here I am angry. And I call Wolf and I said, have Rob send me everything. I mean, everything, because I didn't have any Zeppelin. I never listened to Zeppelin growing up. The only stuff I heard was like my neighbors when I was a kid would play like black dog which i really love that mm-hmm. um i love babe babe i'm gonna leave you it always made me think, think of my dad you know my dad left when i was really young mm-hmm. um i love those two songs and the only reason why i knew a whole lot of love is because my band when i was like 30 they said we really want you to learn this song so we, we did it in like one of our um Head on DVDs. That. yeah the whole live record right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah live at the parody so um so that would but that was it and so I needed everything on them, so their records, their live stuff. And then, of course, Rob had already recorded all the orchestrations mm-hmm. um, for that show. So there were medleys and all this stuff. But there wasn't drums, guitars and bass and all that. It was just a 88 piece orchestra. Wow. So because we were on lockdown, we had trucks come up and I have a studio here, but it's not for recording. It's just for writing, rehearsing, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So these these trucks would come up. And my husband on his own would have to load in all this equipment. And then I would see Rob on Zoom at his studio. And then I'd see Doug, the engineer, at his studio on Zoom. And then I'd just sing into the mic um, uh, uh, to these orchestral tracks. Um, and we'd take like two or three songs and then for one, one session and then I wouldn't see them again for like two, three months. Thank God, because I had time to really saturate my mind with being able to sing this stuff. So I'm scared to death to do this stuff. A, I'm a female mm-hmm. doing the ultimate male man's world of rock and roll, especially at that time. Mm-hmm. And then B, um, I did have the rage. It came back like, like I explained to you. So I had that, but I, I didn't know if I had it before that. But um, also I was like, man, how am I going to do this stuff where I respect plant, but at the same time, if I had to write it, who would I write it about? Because if I, if I couldn't write it, there'd be no reason to sing it. I, it mm-hmm. would be uh, really pretentious and kind of phony, you know? So uh, that was like challenging. It was not just, you know, hitting the notes of plant, but, but doing it in a way that was respectful to the way that they'd written it, but also if I had to make it my own, what it would be. Mm-hmm. So it was really fortunate that I'd have, that I didn't have to go in and make this record in two weeks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That I got to take one or two songs or three songs sometimes per session 
and 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 then get a break for like three months and get ready for the next two or three. Mm-hmm. And, you know what I mean? And then take another break for a few months. So that was really great having that time. Um, but man, I was, yeah. it, it was nerve wracking, man. Every time again, the session, we do the session. Thankfully, you know, working with Rob and Doug on war in my mind was so great because they knew the kind of girl I was. I get very nervous, and very scared and very self-doubting mm-hmm. with my own material, let alone with Led Zeppelin. I mean, hello. That's like hollowed ground, you know, so they could see how freaking nervous I was. And so they know me well enough on how to self-soothe me and show me out, you know, and they're like, you got this girl. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, man, we'll see what happens, you know. But um, but Rob and Doug were so amazing. They're just they're amazing guys. They're loving and empathetic and patient. And uh, and then, you know, I'll tell you, man, and every time I tell this part, I always start crying. So I hope to God I don't start crying right now. But, um, oh God, I know it's going to come. But at the end of all of okay. it, when the when lockdown lifted, was when we finally got to go to Rob's studio and uh, at his house and listen to his mixes. And when we got there, that's when I heard Crozier on the drums and Matt Logg on his drums for, you know, Stairway to Heaven. And, and then Chris Cheney, who'd done bass for me on Warn My Mind playing his ass off as always and then steve pierce playing guitar and steve had played all over my war in my mind and then rob on his acoustic guitar and i I just fell on my knees crying and then of course he picks the song which is like my favorite which is the babe i'm gonna leave you for my dad you know Mm -hmm. i literally fell on my knees and i started crying and i kissed his knee and i just i thanked him you know for just being such a rat dude and, you know, and, and helping me get through this project because, you know, A, like, pandemic was fucking hell for everybody. Mm-hmm. But here I got to be so challenged and humbled by one of the greatest bands in history ever. You know, a hundred years from now, people are still going to play Led Zeppelin. You know, mm-hmm. it's like Bach. Mm-hmm. It's like Beethoven. It's like that shit's going to be played forever. Mm-hmm. And here I got to make this album with the most kind, amazing people that just killed it. I mean, they just killed it. And then I got to be a part of that. You and did so, such an amazing job though. I mean, the record is so thanks, awesome. Man. It's so man, awesome. That's, that's all Rob Cavallo, man. I can't take no credit for that shit, man. That dude and all the people he got and, you know, as scared as I am, that's Rob too. That's how he gets. Mm-hmm. He cares so much about everything he does. That's why you look at his discography and all the albums he's made it's insane it's insane but you see why because he cares so much and he and i'm sure he's got an ego we all do but he puts that shit aside and does his job man and and what's the job the most important job is it's always about the song it's never about the producer it's never about the singer it's never about the drummer it's about the song Mm-hmm. And that's what he does. He surrounds himself with people that make it about the only thing that will ever matter. And that's the piece of music. And that's what I fucking love about Rob and Doug and about all those musicians that played. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's that, you know, yeah, sure. You got an ego. Sure. You want people to like what you do and you, and you got, you know, it, otherwise you just stay at home and play for yourself. You'd never go out in the world and try and make it as a career. Right. Mm-hmm. We know that, but like to be able to put aside that, and focus on what matters most it's it's a pleasure you know working with people like that 
mm-hmm. and very yeah, healing. I mean, yeah, and I mean the records that he's done is like like you said is uh, I mean Green Day records, the the you know the Goo Doll records, even the My Chemical Romance record. I mean they're all platinum. You know some of the biggest records ever done. Yeah, and that Alanis Morris said I'm an invited. He only did that one song. That one, and Best Producer of the Year was just <laughs> doing crazy. that track. Just one and, song. Yeah, and all she sent him was that piano part that goes ding ding ding. That's all she sent him. Oh, and he whoa. built a whole mother frigga. I mean, that thing is extraordinary. You can swear, by the way. I don't know if you can. I okay, don't want sorry. You to feel like you have to censor I'm, yourself. Well, <laughs> the thing is, is that my pastor had gotten me to completely stop cussing. She's so funniest. I love oh, her. that's amazing. Korean lady. Uh-huh. And I completely stopped cussing. And then when pandemic hit, I was like, fuck it. And I totally went back to cursing again. So I was just saying to my husband, I was like, dude, you got to remind me each night when I go on stage to just try not to curse like I normally do, dude, because it really <laughs> bothers some people. I don't want to bother anybody, man. But it okay. feels so good to cuss again. I mean, fuck, I wanna... <laughs> that word is a great word. It really especially, is. Especially motherfucker. Motherfucker's the best of all of them. That's my favorite, man. Oh, oh, oh wow. Well, I like I said, uh, the record is so amazing. And I, I was um, watching the Black Dog music video. And I love in the yeah. beginning when you're like, okay, you know, we can't have the music. I'm sure it's some copyright thing. And you're like, you, you just play the song along. So I have Spotify up and I took me like five or six minutes, but I ended up syncing the thing up beautifully. And it was and awesome. I, you know what's unfortunate that's not on the record? Huh. So if you would have gotten the actual music video, it's funny because in the background, before we started one of the takes, I said, motherfuckers, have, you should have a big old smile on your face because we're making music. And we could be digging ditches and be in jail. And that's how it started. But oh, wow. that, was, that was just for the video. And yeah, that, that wasn't for on the album, obviously. But right. yeah, so yeah, it's kind no, of funny, though. It's amazing. And then you you sync it up and it, it it's perfect. And I love that's the edits where like, you know, on the drums, it's like a half, like, it's almost like you stop a, by a frame or two. And it's like, you know what I mean? It like matches up perfectly. And I'm watching, I'm like, this is such a great video. And you must That's have awesome. been, and like, and then I watched it without the the the, the music because I was just interested at this point. And yeah. like just how hard you're going. And it's like, can you imagine? Like, we did, we did two know. music, we did two music videos that day. Did you really? Yeah. Wow. So we did Black Dog that day, and then we did what's gonna be the next Single? release after. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's yeah, yeah it so you did fun. a great job. It's so good. Thank you. That's Greg Waterman, man. That dude is a maniac, man. He's Pitbull's right-hand man. And I don't know if you know that. that, Yeah, like Pitbull doesn't sleep. Like the dude is one of those (laughs) rare people that only needs like three hours for his enzymes to turn over and he's ready to go. So he like literally like that. I know, right? It's insane. People that fucking they just don't need a lot of literally. They only need that much for their enzymes to turn over. And then they are totally refreshed. And that's why he's such a workhorse. So Greg is attached to Pitt Mm -hmm. for years and he lives with Pitt. But Greg started working with me when I was 29. And that dude, he is so good. He's so talented. And he loves to do things really raw. But he's just one of the funniest, coolest guys. But not hyper like me. He's super mellow, but he's (laughs) funny. 
He's a he's a really good dude. He did a good job on that. Wait till you see the next one, man. He did a killer wait. job on that. It's really cool. Is it going to be similar with? I mean, I maybe you can't even answer that without the music. Well, well, it's in it's in the same warehouse, but we had this badass warehouse in downtown. I've never seen anything so rad. I wish I could just send you the pictures of the artist that painted the outside of this massive evil clown. Okay. It's one of the most incredible paint jobs I've ever seen. But on the inside, there's all these different stories and rooms and like cells and crazy shit. And we got to have that whole compound and we had a lockout for two days. But but Greg is so badass that we just started in the morning. And I think we finished at like 1 a.m. and we were done. And so wow. we didn't even have to use it the next day. Yeah, we had a great crew and. It was a lot of fun, but it is different. It's very different. It's not um, in black and white. It morphs. It's trippy. It looks like it's melting. It's oh, cool. really cool. They did a really cool job. I can't wait to see it. Um, what you said, yeah. what else stuck out to me is you said you sang the, and I don't know if this went for the, the final recording, but you said you sang the record over just the orchestral parts. Is that what ended up making the album? No, that's why oh, okay. I was telling you when I got to, uh, when I finally got to go listen to the um after lockdown had lifted and, and we got to, for the first time, go listen to the mixes. That's when I went, okay. what the frick? Cause that's when I heard bass, drums, okay. guitars, you know, like I was saying, Steve and freaking mm -hmm. Chris and freaking Kozier and, and those maniacs playing. And I remember when I met with Kozier at, uh, when we did the two music videos, um, I said to him, yo man, I don't know your fucking name. But is it okay if I call you bad motherfucker? And by the way, no, listen, I swear to God, this is said to I said, and by the way, you need to call your accountancy and have them legally change your name to bad motherfucker. So when the cops pull you over, they have to say, excuse me, motherfucker, can you get out of the car? Because <laughs> he plays his ass off. I mean, he is the star of that record, man. You listen to him play those drums. Oh, it's, it's like, insane. what the, it's insane. It's insane. He just so, killed it. And so killed you're it. able to like vibe off that, obviously, and then go in and then just sing your ass off. No, I didn't get oh. to have any of that when I sang. When I sang. Yeah, you sang it over just the, the orchestra. Or That's what I was wondering. Yeah. yeah, so it was just the orchestra. So your yeah. voice is that. I mean, you were into it that much and like that powerful over just well, no, that I just, orchestra. I just studied the shit out of it. That's what okay. I did. I studied it. And then I, I remember reading in a book when I was 19 that the manager of the comedy store, because I would work sound at the comedy store when I was a teenager. Uh -huh. And the manager of the comedy store, I was kind of dating him a little bit. And he uh, he had given me this book called The Dow Leadership. And it said, if you want to master anything, you got to study to the point of where you can exactly do that of which who you're studying. And then you have to completely let it go and walk your own path. But you can't walk your own path until you've absolutely learned it exactly. So, like, mm -hmm. I would study and listen to plants, crunch, all of it over and over and over. I mean, incessantly. And I'm an addict anyway. So, like, when I'm out mm -hmm. in the garden, it's 12 hours, you know, when I'm <laughs> songwriting. Here. I know. I, I did re you know read I mean? that about you. And I'm like, okay, right. we can relate on that level as well. Right. Yeah, just everything <laughs> has to be over the top. Uh, of course. So it's like all, it's like all day freaking long. Yeah, listening, 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 listening. And then having to let it go. So that was the thing with that was that that was so scary is that I was afraid to let it go. And I remembered making the mistake of 
my last record I did with Joe Batamasa, we did a record called Black Coffee. Mm-hmm. And instead of me letting go of Steve Marriott, which is what I should have done, I just tried to do it exactly like Steve Marriott. And I remember thinking afterwards what a cheap shot that was that I did. That wasn't cool. It's not respectful to Steve. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Even though he's gone, it doesn't matter. It's like you can't, you know, like respect the artist. But if you're going to cover somebody, have the balls to also do your own thing. And I didn't have that on the song Black Coffee. So I, I didn't want to try and do that here. You know, I mm-hmm. wanted to show respect to Plant, but in a way where I'm like, all right, dude, the stuff that you're doing, I'm trying to do you. But also at the same time, show the respect of not just trying to copycat you, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And you nailed that. And like, even just kind of like the little subtle tweaks on the word, like the lyrics, like even in black dog, just like the way you kind of tweaked when, and and, you know, instead of saying, you know, be your man or, and then you, you kind of just shifted a little bit. You mean on a whole lot of love. I want to be your backdoor. I say, I want to be your backdoor tramp. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. That's what it was. I knew that there was like a little tweaks in there and I was like, Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah, but yeah. on Black Dog, I definitely left it as me, you know, going after a woman because I'm bisexual. So I was okay. like, fuck, yeah, I'm all over that. All day. Okay, I couldn't yeah. remember. Yeah, yeah so yeah. it was that one. Yeah, okay, that yeah. was the song. I yeah. remember you twisted it a little bit. I was like, oh, that's amazing. Um, I'm curious. Be- so was the orchestra done for now that you brought it up? The sh- the this It was going to be a Broadway show. Is that what you said? And like, was I, that yeah, the whole so. piece? And because yeah. there's two versions of uh, Dancing Days. Like it goes Dancing Days and then it beautifully transitions into uh when the levy breaks and then when it comes out of that it's back it goes into back into the, like yeah. the yeah yep okay tell me like yep. was that just, like just the the mastermind of of the whole thing that's all rob cavallo man okay. that's him and the arranger that arranged all that for that orchestra that's who the, the, and those are the only two partners involved in that project whoa and then and then the whole thing i don't know the story but uh-huh. I just know I heard something about Broadway and okay. I and I knew that they had done that for some project that I think had to do with Broadway. And then it fell through. Mm-hmm. So they were sitting there with these amazing medleys. And and we did a lot more than what ended. So 13 pieces, I be, or sorry, nine pieces ended up being on the album. And uh, we recorded, I believe, 16. So he chose the best of the 16 pieces. So okay. some were single songs and some were medleys like yeah because it kind of goes yeah because it goes in and then it comes out into another song and then it goes right back into kind of the yeah. ending chorus of dancing Days. yeah it's great yeah it's so I, cool man and i love the song choices i mean just like the whole album is, is incredible yeah, that's all rob that's all rob yeah. cavallo's choices and also the order that's oh all yeah his order it's all rock, which is important. Yeah. I mean, one of the most important pieces of the Oh, my thing. God. I know. Absolutely. Warren, my mind. Every time I make an album, it's like that's what I, where I go. My most crazy is when during mixing and then when it comes to album listening, because even though nowadays a lot of people don't listen to albums, they just stream yeah. a song. Still, man, I'm old school. And I like when I buy someone's record, I like to listen down to the whole motherfucking thing, you know, same here in the order. that, but Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there's something to be said about that. And I've said this in interviews before, just like, yeah, you choose, I mean, Stairway to Heaven just off of this new record is number three because that was why they, they didn't just go, okay, this sounds good at number, th- there's the third one we finished. We'll just put that at number three. I mean, like it's all, there's like so much science and in, in, in moving the songs around to make it so it flows a certain way. And 
That's awesome to hear that, that that's kind of the part that you spend a lot of time on is, is making sure that it, that a record flows. That's awesome. That it flows. By the way, I I know this sounds weird to just throw this out to you. I just want to ask you, are you aware of the rapper E40? He's been around forever. Yes. Yeah. He's from the Bay area. Yeah. Yes. From the Bay area. So do you know the song that he did with uh, uh, Prohozak and Sugar Free called uh, $19 Lap Dance? Yes, I do know that song. Dude, I'm at the strip club. Wait a minute. I'm at the strip club like three weeks ago, right? And I'm sitting there with my little brother, Bobby. I call him my little brother, but he's not my real brother. My best friend, Ron, found him on the street and takes care of me. He's a young kid. He's 24. He's great. He's a fucking killer kid. Just went through a lot of trauma, though. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I've got him. And he's gay, too. So I take him to the freaking strip club. It's so classic. And I got him a lap dance. And he he tells the stripper before she gets it's an all nude, too. And before she gives him a lap dance, he's such a cutie. He goes, by the way, I'm gay. (laughs) 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 I love him anyway. So he goes into the bathroom and I'm sitting there in the club and all of a sudden I hear, I got $19 for a lap dance, but I only got a dollar for a cigarette. And I (laughs) fell off my chair, dude. So listen, (laughs) I had my guitar tech, Joey, who's also a producer. I I flew it over to him. I said, yo, you got to fucking take this motherfucker, loop it. This is what's going to be playing for all of our shows from now on before we take the stage. (laughs) (laughs) That is hilarious. It's going to be funny, man. I can't wait. I bet you at least 30 people are going to get up and walk out before we even hit the stage. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, uh, what's going on? (laughs) I know. So fun. Oh, that's amazing. That song is so funny. That's so oh, God. I don't know if you if you mind just backing up a little bit here. I'm just curious. So you're born and raised in L.A. Yeah. OK, born yeah. and raised in L.A. And you started playing piano at a very, very early age. Was that the first instrument you learned? Yes. Yeah, okay. I was four when I started on piano. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. Did you just have a knack for it? Are you just interested in it or? Um, I think it was just like child trauma and stuff, because oh, okay. to me, the piano represented um I mean, probably think that's really cheesy, but to me, what it represented was God. And I was never raised in a religious family, Mm -hmm. but I think because there was so much, you know, fucking horrible shit going on that I had to have something I was talking to, you know? Mm -hmm. So to me, the piano was like safety, the hand of God, you know? Mm -hmm. And I remember my first recital, I didn't play, you know, Mary had a little lamb. I played a song I'd written, no singing. It was just music. So my sister, Sharon, you know, who died many years ago, beautiful mm-hmm. sister, Sharon. I remember at that recital, she, um, cause I was so scared and nervous that she, you know, sat me at the piano and she stayed right by my side while I played it. And Aww. she was great. She was the best. Yeah, That's Sharon. so cool. That is so incredible. Awesome. So she just sat next to you right on the, on the piano bench when, in, yeah. while you did it. Yeah. Wow. And Sharon, Sharon was a stripper too. And I think that's why I love strippers so much. I have so much respect for them mm-hmm. because, you know, she was a stripper and that's how she met her husband, who was Jakey Lee, who replaced Randy Rhodes for Ozzy Osbourne. And that's who they had uh, their daughter Jade with. And, wow. then, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I have a lot, a lot of respect for strippers, I think, because of that, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you went to a performing arts school in, in L.A. Yeah. as well. Yeah, where I met actually my best friend, Ron, who takes care of who I call my little brother, Bobby. I met Ronnie, oh. but I'd, I'd ran away. I'd lived in uh, Bensonhurst, Brooklyn with this Cuban motherfucker who was 24 when I was 14. And I lived there with him for a little while. And so when I finally made it to high school performing arts, I was late into the year. So I got in there in like late November 
And I met Ron. And then, of course, the school kicked me out at the end of the year. And then I only did a half year more in the 11th grade at Glendale High. And, and that's when I just told the principal, I said, this is what happened today. And I'm out of here. And, and the principal mm -hmm. didn't argue with me. She said, I absolutely understand. I'm going to put you uh, not as a dropout. I'm going to put you as a transfer into real estate school, reality world. And that way you won't be put down as a dropout. Yeah. So wow. I didn't get an official dropout, but she was great. I loved my yeah. principals and school counselors. They were great. That's that is yeah. great. And then you, from there, was it just you just started to to play out? And I mean, you said you had a job oh, running sound was, at the comedy comedy store. Yeah, but I was already playing out. I started playing out at 16 and okay. I couldn't make any money in Hollywood. So I hit South Central, me and Ron. And what we would do mm. is we would play all these different clubs where you'd give your sheet music to uh, the house band. And there were so many clubs down there that you could hit. And, and what was cool is you'd get one song. Uh -huh. And if they liked you, the people would come up in a line and give you a few dollars a piece while you were wow. singing. And then if they didn't like you, they take you off the stage and kick you the frick out of the club. <laughs> yeah, that's what they do. That's yeah. what they do. And they and you could come back the next week, but if you didn't do good, you got kicked out. You weren't allowed into the club. Whoa. And it was so fun. And there were so many great singers, so many great musicians. Kev Mo, his real name is Kevin Moore. He was the guitar player of the house band of the page four. And then when the the uh the riots happened. Not only did so much stuff get burned down there, but a lot of the owners burned their own places down for insurance. So it ended all of that for us. But that's, that's what we were doing for those years to, to make money. Oh, yeah. wow. But you could obviously yeah. write and, and read music to the extent of being able to hand sheet music over with your. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, it wasn't oh. my own music. No, no. It was oh. just like Aretha Franklin's Dr. Phil. Okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Stuff okay. like that. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I understand yeah. now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was like, whoa, you're writing sheet music and just being like, here, play my stuff. No, <laughs> no, that's the thing. You know what? With all the years of piano and all the years of cello, because I started playing cello mm -hmm. in the fourth grade, I don't know how to read any music. It was, I faked it out by listening. Um, the cello, I could, I knew a little bit enough because I played cello forever and all the way through 11th grade. So I went to high school for an arts for a double major. It was classical singing and, and for cello. Mm -hmm. But for piano, I never learned to read. So Mrs. Davis, once I hit the age of seven, mm -hmm. seven or eight, um, and the material started getting harder, she went, why are you not playing that right? And I'm like, and I told her, I said, you fricked up. I mean, I didn't say fricked up. I said that you would always play these songs for me before you'd send them home. And when you're young, your ear is so good. You know, kids mm -hmm. are their brains that whatever she played that day, I would just remember it. So when I'd say I was reading, I wasn't really reading until the material started getting harder. And I couldn't remember everything she would play that day oh, that she'd send me home with the material. Wow. Yeah. And so she let me go. She said, that's it. You're out of here. Really? Instead of just it, like encouraging the fact that you could pick it up by she ear? So pissed. She was so pissed. <laughs> but she was so rad and she was a rad painter. And okay. she had this this huge thing down below her house of the most amazing. That's where she rocked. And she had long black hair past her ass. She looked like a witch, but a beautiful <laughs> witch. Uh -huh. and, and just she was so awesome. I loved her. She got me really inspired into painting. Mm -hmm. She's a great painter. Yeah. When did you start? Like, I mean, uh, obviously you were playing in these places in South Central, but like, when did you start um, like writing songs and performing your own songs in front of people? So I was writing 
when in terms of singing and writing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Right when I went to my sister, my evil sister's uh, birthday party. And up until then, I had only been using her poetry and putting it to music and singing it, right? Okay. So I'd Mm -hmm. I'd go to places like the Belly Room at the Comedy Store Mm -hmm. or at different little places in Hollywood where you don't get paid any money, but you can get up with a backing track of your own music. So I met this producer named Jeff Mm -hmm. Tozer, who was my second manager when I was 16. My first manager was Seymour Heller when I was 15. And then I was with Jeff Tozer when I was 16. But Jeff Tozer wasn't my manager at first. He was just a guy that I went to to have tracks made for songs that I'd been writing so that I could have these tapes. And then I go to these different places, not in South Central, but up in Hollywood, just Mm -hmm. to try and get with a manager, right? I was seeking out a manager because I'd let Seymour Heller go. So I'd sit up and have these tracks played to these, these cassette tapes. Mm-hmm. You just stick in and you'd sing along to it. And that's how I met Jeff. And then when Jeff, uh, it was my 18th birthday. And I said, oh, it's my birthday today. And he goes, oh, oh, how old are you? And I said, I'm 18. He goes, what? I thought you were 30. And I said, no, I'm 18. And he goes, I want to I want you to be, I want to sign you. I want you to, I want to manage you. And that's who I went and did star search with when I was 20. Okay. And then, and then we won and then he released on his label, our first record, which was an indie record on Raz records. That was before I got signed to Atlantic. Okay. Wow. So, yeah. Whoa. yeah. So yeah. he, he's, that's how you got into star search and then you ended up winning. Yeah. You won star search. Yeah. And then yep. you put a record out and then from there, I mean, the deal with Atlantic came what after the, the record came out and it was doing well. No, that record did nothing. It did oh. terrible. We okay. were doing these college uh, shows. He wouldn't let me play piano because he had to be the piano player. I could only mm. play percussion. And uh, at the colleges, maybe 20 people show up, sometimes more. Mm-hmm. But it was it was just a dud. It sucked as an album. Everything about it sucked. And then I spent that money so fast that I ended up playing on the streets in uh, where you could make money mm-hmm. uh, in Santa Monica. With just a guitar case open, I had a guitar player, bass player, Frank Aguatori, Jimmy Corey on guitar. And that's where I met my third manager, who now I've been with for 27 years, Dave Wolf. And he saw me singing on the street and literally got me a record deal, a three-way signed record deal with Atlantic, which was Ron, who was CEO. Then Jason Flom, who had uh, uh, Lava which was a subsidiary mm-hmm. yeah. and Dave Foster who had one, four, three, which was a subsidiary. But I mean, after all those years of trying to get a deal, I didn't know that Jeff, cause we went in and met with Jimmy. I have an interscope. That's he crazy. offered me a deal, but Jeff turned it down because the deal with Jeff, which he didn't let me know this at the time was if they didn't have him as producer, it was a no way deal. And all these labels oh. were like, dude, we're choosing the producer that we think is best for mm-hmm. her, but he didn't tell me any of that. And I found all that out later. Oh, I'm sure that didn't make you too happy. <laughs> but, no, didn't make me too happy. It obviously, no. I mean, it, it worked out in the, in the end. I mean, it being, did. Yeah, David's I mean, been the best. And David's you've had him for, yeah, for, you said 27 years. That's incredible. Yeah. He's amazing. He's like my family. Absolutely great mm-hmm. man. And smart, smart as fuck. But he's also incredibly moral. And that's what I love about David. He's mm-hmm. smart. He knows how to do contracts, but he's not out to fuck anybody ever. That's not his style. And I love that about him. He's a yeah. good guy. 
And that's, yeah, th- those are people are few and far between, I would imagine, especially in, yeah. in the industry and, and being a young artist, like it, yeah. how easy would it be to take advantage of somebody like that? Yeah. Yeah. That's and incredible. I remember when I met him, I was already so burned out on the business mm-hmm. that I had said no to him. And my guitar player put his hand, he's a drama queen like me, put his hand through a window and cut his finger and went to the hospital and said, I might not ever be able to play guitar again. You got to get with this manager. He's, he's going to get us freaking on top, man. You can't turn this guy down. And I'm like, man, fuck the music business and fuck managers. And then I said, all right, I'll have a meeting with him if he plays cards. Because I'm really good at telling how good someone's hustle is. And I can read people real well when I play cards with them. Interesting. So David agreed. Yeah. So David agreed to play cards with me. What did you play? We, poker? We don't No, We did, We just played Uno. It was just oh, really? a freaking kids game. I and love then that now, game. It's a great, <laughs> a it's a great game. Yeah, I love Uno. Game. I love Uno. Now we play a different game, of course. But but, right. but that game at that time, I didn't know Wow Wow Wolf yet. And that was a game that, that Wolf actually invented. And it's it's a crossbreed between hearts, spades, and one other, um, Canasta. Okay. So if you took Canasta, spades, and hearts, and you mix the three, that's this game. And it's so addicting. It's incredible. But, you know, obviously I didn't know him. I hadn't learned his game yet. Mm-hmm. So we were sat there for three hours and played Uno. And then when we were done, I looked at him and I said, you can be my manager. You're a badass motherfucker. Let's do it. And that was wow. it. Wow. Oh, my gosh. How did yeah. you know he was he, he was uh, a badass on the Uno game? Was it did he call so Uno I, when you had one card before you did? It was like Uno. No, so when I when I play cards with someone, whether it's a a, a kid's game or not, it doesn't matter. Uh-huh. It's it's how they work their whole energy. So I can tell if they can hustle. I can tell if they're a cruel hustler. In other words, if they're a cheater, mm-hmm. right? Right. Or I can tell if they're a real hustler, and that like a good pimp versus a bad pimp. So mm-hmm. a good pimp is someone who actually takes care of his girls, and he does his gig like a basketball player. He knows mm-hmm. the game. Mm-hmm. And then you got shitty pimps that try and be badasses when really all they're out to do is beat the crap out of the girls because mm-hmm. they feel so bad about themselves inside. And that's mm-hmm. not someone who knows how to play the game. Mm-hmm. So that's what I look at when I play cards. Are you a good pimp? Or are you a bad shitty pimp? And I could tell he was a good one. He is that something you've had a, I mean, is that something you still do to this day? I mean, play cards with people that you don't know very well, or like oh, how many man, times did you have to play cards? Well, how did cards you, how many times thing, did you man. have to do that to choose people? Like, is there another big moment that you're like, I can, you can remember. Oh, you not? mean like other people like that I've worked with? Like an industry person that you're like, okay. Yeah. Like, is there anyone you could think of? Like, I wouldn't work with that no. producer or like you no, did no, no. because you played cards with them. <laughs> okay. No, 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 no. Not with that. No, just with management. Cause management, management. is so deep. It's mm-hmm. a personal manager so deep. It's so imperative. I don't care how talented you think you are. I don't care how hard you work. I don't give a fuck. If you don't have a great manager in the music business, you are fucked. Period. Period. That's just it. Mm-hmm. Unless you're one of those genius people that can manage themselves like that. Who's that one dude? He's an incredible rapper. Um, um, McDonald. Um, uh, Tom McDonald, that yeah. dude's insane. Even though his style is, he's such a genius, but I don't like his narrative. It's just, 
I don't want to say racist, but it just seems like he's gone a little too far to the right for my taste. So to me that, yeah, but you can't deny the fact that Tom McDonald is brilliant in his visuals Mm -hmm. and in in his ability to rap, just like uh, um, Machine Gun Kelly. I mean, mm-hmm. that motherfucker pisses me off, but he's so talented. And I hate <laughs> I hate what he fucking he went way below the belt with Eminem. He fucked that. He fucked himself with that. You know that, right? Mm-hmm. With that freaking rap devil when he freaking went for his daughter like that. It was like, uh-uh. You just wait, motherfucker. And then Eminem comes back with kill shot and just levels his ass. It's so <laughs> great. And it's like, you can't mess with Eminem, you stupid little motherfucker. Oh, but no, still, no. you know, you can't deny that kind of talent. There's still mm-hmm. so much talent there, right? Mm-hmm. So, but but with Tom McDonald, I know that he manages himself. He runs his own record company. He produces himself, writes himself. So literally, he's 100% independent. But that's so rare that people have that ability to do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm certainly not one that can. So mm-hmm. for me, when it comes to like personal management, I did know at a young age, it's imperative. You mm-hmm. have to have that or you you will be screwed. Yeah. Because he's out there trying to, you know, he's fighting for you, correct? I mean, getting you stuff to do and kind of selling you and your, like what you were doing, what you had to offer to other people. Well, basically he makes sure that other people don't fuck me. Okay. Period. Sure. <laughs> and then also he has a whole team that he's built, you know, from my attorneys to, you know, the people that run all my business management to mm-hmm. road managers and different promoters and different agents and all of that. So he's mm-hmm. all those relationships are all from David. Mm-hmm. And then he's and he's so good to people and respectful that he never burns a bridge, not even when we come across assholes from time to time. He still knows how to handle it in a respectful manner. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about David. And then when it comes to contracts, forget about it. He's just mm-hmm. incredible. He's really smart. He's got a business degree. He's crazy smart. So even when I send my stuff to attorneys to look over, like Beanstalk, Ron Beanstalk, who I've been with for 27 years, Wolf always looks over it first. You know, so he mm-hmm. knows how to look at all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remembered Gaza X. I don't know if you ever know Gaza X because you're young, but he's he was an old punker from back in the way, back in the, the day. The name so sounds he, familiar. I'm, he's, I'm 37. He's I'm not super young. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, well, Geza was like the producer of Black Flag, Dead Kennedys, okay. a lot of really early uh, uh, West Coast punk. Punk. Okay. And uh, I was his background singer for a little while when I was really? a kid. Really? Whoa. Yeah. And his girlfriend was Susie Cotton. And oh, she I, I was, love Susie Cotton. Do you remember her? Yeah. Well, okay. I interviewed her a couple times uh, for okay. the show. She's amazing. I can't believe it. Yeah. Okay, I love so this her. Is, this is back when I was a teenager and I remember sitting on the couch with her because she too was doing background for Geza because mm-hmm. Geza and her were boyfriend and girlfriend. He was, yeah. living at her house. he was living with her, right? Okay. Yes. Okay. I can't believe that you know her. I can't believe it. it's so crazy, man. <laughs> and I remember her turning to me and I said, if you had any advice to give me, what would it be? And she looked me right in the eye and she was like 40 at the time. Mm-hmm. And she said, if you don't have a great manager, you're screwed. And I was like, whoa, okay, right on, man. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And I was 19 at the time. Uh-huh. So, yeah, she was the one that planted that seed. Because whatever you do, you just make sure you have a great manager. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah Josie Cotton's so cool. Uh, I talked yeah. to her. When she put out the Flatten the Curve song like in the beginning 
of COVID and she had all these people on the song. I don't know if you've heard I it. I didn't hear it. I didn't oh, hear yeah. it. I didn't even know she was still making music. Yeah, she put this record out. And it was, I think it was just, maybe it's just one song, but it's got like all these different people on it. And it was it was really cool. I mean, it was when we thought COVID was going to be two weeks and she would put this song out and she's got to be like 70. She's still killing it, though. It's crazy. Oh, my God. I got to go online. And say, how does she look? <laughs> she looks good. Yeah. That is so awesome. Yeah. It's so cool. Wow. Yeah. I, I interviewed her twice. Once about something else. And then one the other time was about, uh, yeah, the, the Flatten the Curve song. It was so cool. So I got a question for you. How come you don't have an Italian accent, man? Well, because I'm not Italian. I was told you were. I'm not. No, I'm uh, I'm, my grandparents are from my one grand set of grandparents are from are Slovak and the other are Greek. Oh, but you live in Italy. No, <laughs> you're thinking of somebody else. They told me I had the freaking interview with the dude from Italy today. Oh, no, I would be so cool. Where, if I was where, you, where are you going I'm in from? I'm in Nashville. I'm originally, originally from San Diego. Oh, my God. You live in Nashville. Uh huh. Okay, I just wait, moved here gotta, like a year gotta, ago. So okay, I'm so excited. I'm gonna set you up right now. Wait, hold on for one second. Scotty, <laughs> wait, you guys. I gotta. Hey, you guys. I'm doing an interview. Do you, have you guys seen Getsco? Sorry about that. I got the earphones on. Have you seen Getsco? Oh shit. Okay. Do you remember the name of the place where we went and saw those bad ass dudes who we love so much that we played? Remember in Nashville. The freaking dudes who played the freaking uh, killer upright bass and, and I bought their record. Do you remember the name of the club? Because this dude lives in Nashville and I got to turn him on to this place. I will look it up in my library because I have videos from there. Oh, my God, dude, you are going to be in heaven. I'm serious. Okay. And I'm even, I'm even going to go downstairs right now. I hope I don't lose you. And I'm going to show <laughs> you the record I bought from them. No, I'm telling you. All the oh, this is awesome. In Nashville. No, dude. Nashville, I fucking love, love it. You know why? Not because of the songwriters there. The songwriters are suck ass, and you can put that in the article. I don't give a <laughs> shit. But let me tell you what I do love there. I love all the artists in okay. all those clubs working their asses off, and they're so talented. Mm -hmm. It's so ridiculous. Door to door to door, talent, talent, talent. And they're making all their money solely off tips. Mm -hmm. But these dudes right here, man, I'm going to show you them. They're called okay. the Royal Hounds. This is the album I bought. I'm, I'm just going to type it in my thing so I don't lose it. Oh, Scott, I got a question for you. Okay, so I'm not talking to the Italian dude. I'm talking to this young, <laughs> cute kid who says he's old enough. He's 38. What'd you say? You were 38? 37. He's fucking young, man. He's fucking young. Thank right. you. So he lives in Nashville. And I, he's only Recently. been there a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's only been there a year. And I wanted to tell him about that awesome place. Robert's Western World. Okay, it's called Robert's Western World. That's the name of the bar. Okay. I'm please, looking him up. Please go when the Royal Hounds are playing. Okay, well, okay. it's on Broadway. Okay, cool. Yeah. I know. Oh, it's right by and the Ryman. I know exactly where that is. Yeah, and the Royal Hounds, dude, when I tell you talent, okay, the upright bass player is the best upright bass player I've ever seen in my lifetime, sings his ass off and writes his ass off. The guitar player is Brazil. Now, you know Brazilians, they always uh -huh. do it better than everybody else. He's incredible. <laughs> 
incredible. He's only been here for a short time. We wrote him a letter so that he could get his uh, um, become a citizen here. Really? Yeah. He's just a lovely, beautiful guy and plays phenomenal guitar and is young. He's amazing. And then the drummer's a bad motherfucker too. But these guys play for like six hours. And I'm not kidding you. You're going to be like this the whole time. (laughs) Okay. And be made happy i love it i'm going to i just found their website and i'm oh, yeah, going to wait, wait wait i'm gonna flip you around can you see the way here it is can you see it oh yeah oh yeah i know where that is okay that's it man i know exactly where that is thank you so much roxanne so by the way roxanne you look dope with your hair color like that man they lightened it a little bit badass man you gangster <laughs> love you I love roxanne well, this has been so, so much fun. Thank you so much for doing this. You are awesome, oh, Beth. Yeah. This is so great. Oh, my God. No, it's my pleasure. Are you kidding? You're doing this for me, man. Are you kidding? I got to be thanking you. No, no. You're a legend yeah. in this. And I, No, man. I, I got no legend here. No way. Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. Just a working girl, baby. That's I it. I don't know. I beg to differ on that end. <laughs> well, that, so the Zeppelin record's out. Is this something you're going to like? go out and play live or or is it just so we've already, something no we've already done a tour of the states so we did a six-week tour recently and then we leave yeah, i'm late, on I'm the, late to the party i'm sorry i know yeah, i know we you're were just in nashville we, we just played nashville on that oh, last man. week run yeah okay yes yeah, so you're doing europe yeah or you're going yeah. out no okay. no we're doing we're doing one more tour now of the u.s we do a four-week run and we leave in a couple days so today we leave on the 10th okay so we leave in a couple days Two for days, one yeah. more one more round of the states and then we come home and then we're going overseas. How is it with the, uh, with, are you just doing this record or are you doing a, all your songs? Oh, hell no. Hell okay. no. So whenever I put out a record, I always do the same thing. What I do is uh, I have a few songs from the new record that I mm-hmm. intermix out night to night, change it up. And then night to night, we change up the whole rest of the show with songs from all the records. So like oh, any of my records, any of the stuff I've done with Joe, but Amasa as well, and okay. we shift it all up. So the band knows just a shitload of songs. And that way we're, we're keeping ourselves on our toes, making mm-hmm. our brains work. And then I don't like things to get uh, like Vegas, you know, I don't like things to get too showbiz. So I like to mm-hmm. keep it rough edges and keep us on our toes. I like yeah. that. That's so cool. Yeah, I wasn't Fine. sure if you were doing a special thing and just doing maybe the Zeppelin record or, or, or something like that. No, that's amazing. No, no. like for the last uh, tour, each night, though, we did open up always with Dancing Days into the Levee or we just go straight into the Levee and then we follow it with uh, No Quarter into Babe. And then usually Rad. that's it. And okay. then we go into like original stuff. And then sometimes we'll pull out Black Dog towards the end. But um, right now we've been working on Cashmere to oh, add cool. that in. Yeah. So, yeah. We'll see. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. And uh, yeah. Well, again, thank you so much, Beth, for doing this. This has been literally. Oh, so man. Fun. You are so welcome. Absolutely. So now before I let you go, uh, have you seen the music video? $19? No, I'll type that okay. in now, though. Please. You got to because if you <laughs> want to laugh your ass off, you have to watch the video. It's so freaking good, dude. Okay. It, I love those guys. Those guys are the funniest. And that pro Hozak, that motherfucker is one of the funniest dudes I've ever seen, man, with his tennis shoe and the little cigarette hanging out of it. Okay. You got to watch it. And okay. When they start off in the barbershop. No, you're going to laugh your ass off. I just, just found it. it. I'm going I'm right, to watch it after he's sitting at like you a news desk. <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah, 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 yeah. 
<laughs> oh no, no no that's that's i think that's just the single oh that so, was just a uh, single okay i gotta find that yeah actual yeah, video yeah. Then. yeah find the find the actual music video okay that was but the that, that might up. that might be it that might be it maybe it just know. shows that as a cover and then it'll go into the video oh, i'll find it youtube's yeah, yeah, yeah. beautiful You'll thing laugh. And I love your love plaque behind you for uh, for YouTube. Oh, that's yeah, that's yeah, that's not this is not my room. Fuck no, I'd never have that shit up in my room. This is Scott's. Room. I would. But that's Scott, amazing. Scott's room's badass. Check out fucking Scott's fucking. Look at this motherfucker. My husband is so badass. Check this shit out. What? Check out this shit. This is him motorcycling with Randy Castillo, which was his best friend, the drummer from Ozzy, right? Uh huh. That's Scott always toured with Randy. Look at my husband going. 85 miles an hour laying with back feet up. with his feet up <laughs> what? and he and he do that rolling by people with their kids in the car to scare the shit out of him and he pretend to be asleep so we'd have his head all the way back <gasps> just to fuck oh, him man. up no he's so fucking funny and then that this is, is him with randy yeah randy died unfortunately but that's yeah. randy and scotty oh wow and then you see this this is what uh my manager <sighs> david gave to my husband Pinball machine? It's freaking, yeah, it's a Corvette, though, one. Because oh, my, cool. my husband has his dad's Corvette. That's and then just sick. one more thing I got to show you. This is just how sweet my husband is. Just, he's just a doll, man. He's just such a good dude. But he's so much fun. Oh, like, see those? See that right there? <laughs> is that a rhinoceros? So a, yeah, yeah, it's a rhinoceros. And you see this one? <laughs> oh, yeah. See that one? Uh, snake. Okay, so that's, that's what I wore at my favorite karaoke place where they have a Christmas Santa hat contest. And I wore that Santa <laughs> contest and went like this <laughs> for Christmas. Anyway, oh man, so, and you probably won yeah. the competition too. As uh, I mean, for your no, voice, hell no, <laughs> hell no, they kicked my ass out of there. But my oh. best friend runs it, so that's why okay. I go up there. That's yeah, great. he runs it. Yeah. Oh, I, you kind of, oh, you've already kind of answered this question, but I, I'm just going to ask it again because why not? I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. I know you said the manager thing, but. Yeah, number one advice is this. Please, please do not determine your value as an artist based on if you're rich, famous, or have a record deal. Please don't do that. Because I really believe God gives you whatever it is you love to do for one reason and one reason only. And that's just to be happy and to heal. That's it. So if you get a manager or you get a record deal or you made a lot of money or whatever, great. And if you can handle that, and live a healthy life doing that, wonderful, good for you. But I'm going to take another little quote out of the Tao Leadership, that book I told you about mm -hmm. earlier. And it said, be very weary of fame. Fame is a disease. And only those with the strongest mental and spiritual immune systems can handle it. So if you're going to go for it, just know that the most important thing you will ever win, ever achieve, is what you've already got. And that is every time you wake up, there's something you love to do. So whether you get an applause for it or not, doesn't fucking matter. The gift is the love for what you love to do. And you don't have to get an applause or make money off of it to be joyous. And if you do, great, good for you. But do it because of that. Just be grateful. Just like waking up is a gift. Just breathing and being alive is a gift. No matter how hard it is, if you're breathing, there's no mother fricking thing you cannot overcome. So make, make that be your source of your value is that joy of what you love to do. Don't let anybody else determine your worth or you'll, you won't make it. It'll kill you. <laughs>